0: And welcome to Tech Connects, Dice's podcast where we dig into topics on tech hiring, recruiting, and careers that matter to you. I'm your host, Nick Kolakowski, and I'm going to talk to great guests every month about the current state of the tech careers world, including the tech job market, hottest tech skills, what companies are doing to attract and retain technology professionals in a historically tight market, and much more. Our next guest is Tariq Shokhat, who's co-CEO of Sonar, a company devoted to enabling developers and other tech professionals to write cleaner code. Previously, he was president of Bumble, and before that, he was president of Google Cloud, where he was responsible for product engineering and much more. I wanted to talk to Tariq because the software industry is at an inflection point. The rise of low and no-code tools, along with code-writing chatbots like ChatGPT, could fundamentally alter software engineers' and developers' workflows, and even enable people without much coding experience to produce acceptable software. With its tools providing analysis and coding guidance, Sonar could help developers navigate this interesting new environment. So let's listen in. So Tariq, thank you for being on Um, as the co-CEO of Sonar. uh, I wanted to talk to you just because I'm so fascinated by the concept of clean code, which Sonar obviously is attempting to bring to the masses. And I wanted to dig into it just because I'm I'm curious about coding is both an art and a science and, and clean code is something everybody in tech obviously aspires to. But I'm just wondering, you know, because you were the, the former president of, of Google Cloud, and you have all these other, you know, you've spent your entire career immersed in code. When you say clean code, what does what does what does clean code mean? And, and how is Sonar trying to kind of push the gospel of, of, of clean code out there to everybody?
1: It's a great question. And, and thanks, Nick, uh, again, for having me on uh, as well. It's really um, exciting to be here. Um, so. When we talk about clean code we really are um, we, we really are trying to uh, d- describe code that is reliable that is secure that is maintainable um, that is, is is really code the way it should be written That is in part on each individual developer and and how do you um, and how do you check your work, if you will? How do you really make sure that you're developing the right way? But it's also for the team and it's also for the company to say how are we actually building things in a way that um, that is going to kind of live over time, right? And that you're going to be happy with over time.
0: Whenever I'm speaking to developers, the thing that always comes up is that a great coder, as you well know, it's not necessarily how many lines of code you write or how many commits you make or like the sheer volume of code you're pouring out there, but it could be taking code away. There's a soul, there's a whole elegance to it, to a certain extent. And I'm wondering, when we talk about clean code, when we talk about the nuances that you were just referring to in code, how does a platform like Sonar sort of analyze the art of it, which is really kind of a little bit more of a nebulous thing, but how does it determine that when somebody takes code away or that they're doing something that's maybe a little bit more abstract or a little bit more higher level than just kind of your basic nuts and bolts coding that what they're doing is sort of optimized if i'm ideating it correctly i might not be
1: no and and it's it's a great question and i think it is it's important for me to emphasize that what we are really doing we, we are not an AI assistant doing coding for yeah. you and and trying to cut the human out of the process in any way, shape, or form. What we do is we look at at lines of code as you are uh, writing them and after you've written them, but actually it works best when you when it's while you're writing them. Essentially, we look at those lines of code and we prompt the um, the, the the developers to think about this, this, or this, right and so so a lot of times that is, hey, did you know you've already defined this variable here, and now you're defining it here, and maybe that's just overly complex, or did you know that you've introduced this comp- this this uh, dependency that you probably didn't need to introduce? Things like that really become um, core to the recommendations, and fundamentally, it's then up to the developer. We do not do any. Editing for you, we are not doing autocorrect, right? If you think of this as uh, as you know, um, writing prose in in Google Docs or something like that, we're not autocorrecting. We're not anything like that. What we are doing is basically highlighting for you things that you should consider. And so for us, it it is helping a amazing developer continue to be amazing and focus on the things that they want to focus on, and giving them hints and tips and and suggestions that they can consider. And it's helping even people who are just starting out to learn as they're coding, right? To say, oh, my God, I didn't really think that that is what I was doing. So helpful. Let me go ahead and correct that now. And, again, part of the point here is correct it or catch it while you're coding as opposed to, you know, a couple of days later, you then are um, realizing you built it. in, Or a couple of years later, somebody realizes you built this in and they can't understand your code anymore, right? Yeah. And so. It's all of those pieces, um, but it's fundamentally a tool. It's a platform. It's a series of platforms that are meant to assist developers, assist whoever's writing the code.
0: It it makes me think of, I mean, anybody who's gone through a code base knows this, where you're sort of desperately hoping that whoever did the code two or three years ago has left like enough comments so that you can figure out like whatever bizarro logic they use to get from point A to point B. Um, It sounds like that would help with this in terms of like that whole issue.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, and even in ways that people don't really think about every day. Right. But, you know, I've had uh, code bases I've inherited where the commenting for bizarre historical reasons was done in a language that nobody else in the company speaks at the moment. Right. Uh, I think we had a couple of Czech developers at one point who were, who were, you know, um, doing all of their commenting in Czech and nobody in the company read Czech. Right. so, you know, you, you um, really want to, um, build code that is kind of, that that is understandable. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, yes, you always want to document your code, right. That's a best practice, but you want to make it so that the code itself is as straightforward and as lean as possible so that you can really look at it and start to understand is, what, what is happening
0: in there. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day about meta meta has that code llama. Code llama too. I'm not sure. I mean, it seems like they're doing multiple sequels at once in terms of their, <laughs> their LLMs. But, you know, obviously that writes and debugs code. And then you have ChatGPT and BARD and everybody's sort of coming online with these code generators. And I've been having lots of debates with to people about whether, like how that's going to kind of impact software development and software engineering and so on. Um The tools are getting more sophisticated, it seems like, based on the size of the LLM in the case of Llama and so on. But, I mean, since you're right in the heart of this with clean code and so on, and you're watching all of these generative AI systems building out this code, do you think that a lot of software – I mean, I I don't want to make this – too negative. But I mean, do you think that a lot of sort of software outfits, software developers are kind of headed for disaster using these tools and it's going to produce tons of really just awful code? Do you think it's going to get more sophisticated as it goes on? I mean, how, how are you seeing like the whole industry basically evolving over the next however long?
1: Yeah, You know, I I think um, there's plenty of people in the past who've predicted that the tech is never going to work and they've all been proven wrong, right? So yeah. I'm a tech optimist on, on um, most fronts. I think the real Uh, there's a question of how quickly, right? But there's also a question of of, um, what posture do you as a dev team, does you as a company want to take, right? And I think in general, the trust but verify um, approach is right. So if you've decided that there's a certain amount of your code that you're going to write using uh, Copilot or using one of these other generative AI tools out there, if that works for you and it works for your dev teams, then we've got really no objection to that what we basically say though is everything is part everything that you're building is an asset that you're building for the company it could be introducing reliability issues it could be introducing security issues and what you need to do is make sure that that code is clean and maybe there's some you know gpt x in the future right that just 100% produces completely secure, completely reliable code that you don't have to question. But I don't really see that happening anytime in the near future, right? I think that people are always going to question, they're always going to want to make sure that, that, that there's no hallucinations, hallucinations happening that are coming into the code. One thing that um, some developers have done using Cube, one of our um, core products, is build in some rules themselves that check for inclusive language as an example. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is the type of thing we've seen all sorts of bad experiments happen with AI where all of a sudden they become racist or they become Nazis or whatever. It's horrible. It's, it's horrible things. And as a company and as a developer who takes pride in what they're doing, you really want to make sure that if you are, you know, outsourcing, let's say 10% to, Uh, an AI assistant or you're getting help on some of your code that it's actually producing code that you can be proud of right and the pride is that it is inclusive that it is actually meeting your quality bars and that it is reliable and it is secure so we really think we really actually encourage all of the innovation that's happening it is making developers that I talk to for the most part happier and more productive right Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of what these tools are doing is taking out a lot of the more um, mundane work right Mm -hmm. and to your point earlier, this is an art and a science. It's an art and a science, and sometimes it's a slog, right, and that you have to – it's just work. And if you can kind of get rid of some of the parts that are less enjoyable and focus on the harder parts, that's great. And we think that, that doing that with this sort of notion of clean code in mind is really um, the, the way to go.
0: It also seems, in terms of all that, that it's it's that data privacy and security, or others, like for example, I think it was I think it was Google that was telling internal people, and telling the Googlers, not to rely on ChatGPT just because of the fear of sort of what it would potentially pull into its model. Um, and I think the the Amazon investment that they announced this week, and I'm blanking on the name of the company. Anthropic Uh, just did. yes. Anthropic. Yeah. But one of the things I was talking to somebody about it and they were saying that one of the points of being able to sort of roll your own LLM using that tool was to allow people to, to train it on a secure data set that wasn't feeding off or, you know, potentially pulling in things that shouldn't have pulled. It seems that data in terms of like the code, you would also want to be able to have a tool or something that would, that would scan and, sort of optimize data privacy and data security as well, because it seems like that's an emerging issue with all this.
1: There, there are certainly um, c- concerns about this, but I would I would liken this to what people were saying about cloud back in 2016 when I joined Google Cloud, right? And in, in those days, oh, you know, and there's no bank that would ever use a multi-tenant cloud solution because, you know, it just wouldn't possibly be as secure as... Um, as what they could do in their own data centers, or you know, no one's gonna possibly have the scale or sophistication, or you need to customize and things like that. And what happened was that all of the cloud providers, including Google Cloud where I was, but you know, Azure, AWS, et cetera, all basically emphasized becoming enterprise ready, right? And I think the fact of the matter with all of these coding tools and with generative AI in, in general is there's a huge demand for enterprise ready generative AI tools, whether that's for coding or for other purposes, there's more and more companies. I know Google, as an example, is taking this super seriously. I'm sure that OpenAI is. I'm sure that you know Microsoft, Amazon, everyone else is. That they are want um, to make sure that there's the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The provenance of the training data set that you're not scraping a whole bunch of books you don't have access, you don't have rights yeah. to and using that to train. So I do think that the industry is likely to solve this moving forward. And again, I think if you are a, uh, company that is um, that is trying to use these tools, you'd sort of look for what are the enterprise features. And then, frankly, what Microsoft did, I, I thought was super helpful with the indemnification they're providing around um, their generative AI tools, right? Just making it safer and easier for companies to adopt.
0: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And then, where I mean, I know that you can't talk about the roadmap too much, but how are you looking at, I mean, We've been talking about kind of the proliferation of these tools, the proliferation of code, the proliferation of of generative AI, and so on. As you're moving forward with Sonar, how does it fit into this market? I mean, where are you? Where are you sort of seeing the pain points in terms of people writing code? I mean, again, I mean, I know that you know a roadmaps a highly proprietary thing; you can't reveal too much. I'm just curious, though, like how you see the market sort of playing out with regard to what you're doing.
1: You know, I I think that uh, we we really feel like the market is evolving in a way that's perfectly suited for, for, for w- what we do. Um, and, and I'll tell you a couple of reasons why, right? One of them is developers over the last, this isn't a new phenomenon, right? Mean, over the last 10 years have really developed a lot more influence and, um, and, and power in how they sort of are able to develop. Right. So, so, z- so the first piece is developer centric tools, are critical and again we have seven million developers who use our platforms today we we have started with a developer we live and breathe with a developer our tools are mostly open source tools right that com- c- companies can pay to get access to some of the more enterprise features right but fundamentally it is a it is an open source tool that is built developer first so that's sort of yeah, that, that is point one and i think that very much plays to where the market is going the second, and Mark Andreessen said this back, I think it was in 2010 or something, like that software is eating the world, but it's continuing to eat the world. And AI is now, you know, um, along for the meal. And more and more companies are becoming software companies. I remember a CEO of an auto company telling me a couple of years ago that they could build, in in his opinion, they could build a car that is better than Tesla's, but they could never build software that is better than Tesla's. And that's becoming a real competitive issue for auto companies it's becoming a real issue for banks it's becoming a real issue for retailers like every company is realizing it's not just that software is important it is it is one of their core assets right that they have to build and nurture and maintain and so that's sort of second trend and then the third piece is i think I started my career in, in uh, car manufacturing a long, long, long time ago. Oh, cool. Um, and back in those days, the Japanese manufacturers, the Toyota in particular, were really um, eating the lunch of the four GM Chryslers of the world because the philosophy that a lot of the American car companies had was build it and then check for quality, right? And if it doesn't work, get out your hammer and start putting in shims and whatever, that was sort of the, the way that U.S. manufacturing had evolved. Toyota manufacturing basically said check at every step of the process and figure out if you have a quality issue, stop the line, fix the quality issue, keep going. What we're doing and what I think is the right way to build is you, you do that as you're coding as well. You clean, as you code, you build software that is secure by design and you do, and and that is reliable by design. And we think that that is the most secure and reliable way to build software. So all those three things together, we think, um, are are the the reason why you know what, why we 're here, why developers are adopting us, and why we think we're going to have a great business moving forward
0: it also seems like it would enable citizen developers to a certain extent that there's all these tools coming online or not or you know people within companies who might not be have formal developer training, but you know obviously given the demands need to code something
1: yeah, I mean, I think you see this with all of the 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 um, Efforts around low code. I think, yeah, a lot of the excitement around AI assistance as I've seen is that there actually aren't enough developers in the world for a software-centric world. And so more and more people are, are, um, are going to try and develop some code. Whether they're gonna become developers or not, I don't know, right? But they're gonna try and develop some some code. And again, a lot of what we do is clean as you code, it'll help you, it'll help, it'll nudge you, it will identify issues and opportunities for you. And it will do it in a way that teaches you these things as you code. So we call it learn as you code as well, right? And it's just at every step of the way, instead of at the end of two days of working on something, you get a report of every mistake that you made, it'll actually start to kind of nudge you almost the way that Grammarly does in making you a better writer, right? Grammarly does it by, you know, that annoying red squiggle that appears as you're typing something, right? We do the same thing, but for coding.
0: That, I mean, speaking to somebody, I mean I am personally a terrible coder. I can code, but I'm not I mean, there's a reason I'm a writer and a podcaster and not and not a full time developer. Is that my so I mean for somebody like me who like kind of knows the basics, it would that would be wow, I might actually have to start seeing, you know, shifting my career a little bit and start building apps if I have all these It's it, the it open
1: source, you can go and download Sonar Lint right now and start using it and it it will uh be very eye
0: opening for you. And that's it, folks. It was fascinating talking to Tariq, given his keen insights into everything from AI and the cloud to coding. Here are some quick takeaways from our chat. First, while the current generation of code generators, say that five times fast, is exciting, the practice of coding is going to need human attention for quite some time to come. There's every chance that auto-generated code could introduce security, compliance, and other issues into your tech stack, so be aware. Second, across every industry, more and more companies are becoming software companies. Developers are more important than ever to a company's strategy and its outcomes. If you can build software in a reliable and secure way, you'll find a plethora of opportunities in a wide variety of places. You don't have to focus your job hunting efforts exclusively on the tech industry. Third, tools such as Sonar will likely lead to even more people within an organization generating code, even if they don't come from a traditional tech background. If you're any kind of management or team leader, keep that in mind as you plot workflows for your future products. We covered a whole lot of other topics during the episode, of course, so give it a re-listen if there was something you missed. We'll see you next time, and remember... DICE is your best resource to find the tech talent you need to fill your open roles, and for technology professionals, the best place to grow your tech career.